It is the 200 level episode 347, live from Poor Brothers Craft Tap Room in downtown Champaign. Let's hear it from the people of Poor Brothers. There they are. And it's not just me, Mike Carpenter, but I'm joined by Isaac Ambrose. Give it up for Isaac Ambrose over here. Thank you, thank you. Isaac, we are on the eve of the 2023 Illini football season. And what is your primary emotion right now? I would say a little bit. It, it doesn't feel realistic. I don't know if I can put it into one word, just simply because talking season's finally almost over, which feels like impossible because we've been talking about the same things. Who's going to play safety? Is Luke Altmeyer good? You know, who's going to be the right, right guard, which now we know. So not realistic. You know, when you like dream about something in the future and then it finally gets there, that, that's sort of what I feel like. There's a lot of unknowns going into tomorrow. Yes. And I got to be honest, while there are some nerves about whether or not Luke Altmeyer is going to be good or whether or not the run game is going to be as effective without someone like Chase Brown, my overriding emotion actually is excitement to see some of these new pieces finally out in the field. So what we're going to do today, Isaac, is we're going to look a little bit macro for the entire season, a little bit micro for this game against Toledo as well. And before we get too far into it, I want to remind everybody of our sponsors, including DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, that is dpdoe.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. That is Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Owen Builders, LLC. You can find them online at owenbuildersllc.com. For all your home improvement projects, including interior and exterior and home additions as well. That's OwenBuildersLLC.com. Got to thank also the Champaign City Partnership, Champaign Center Partnership, excuse me. They're having a Campus Town Street Fest next Saturday uh, from, let's see, 1 to 7 o'clock with music, food, all that good stuff. And got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network for being with the 200 level from the start. Also, Poor Brothers Downtown uh, Champaign, which if you've never been here, this is a great pre- or post-game spot as well. All right, Isaac, this year is different than previous years because even yeah. last year going into the season, the excitement level for me was more, I think we'll be all right. Sure enough, they were. They were a little bit more than that. Mm -hmm. But then they lost to Indiana, and any excitement I had really was delayed until they looked pretty good against Chattanooga and yep. then nine days later beat Wisconsin. So that's about a month where the excitement was not at a fever pitch, and then October happened. It's weird to be setting here in the, now the month of September, but the entire month of August, that anticipation was building for me. How are you finding this similar or different to previous preseasons? Because this is like 2008 for me, and that's what I know worries a lot of Illini fans. Yeah, I think it's different this year because we've, we've seen it now. We've seen a year of success where, as last year, uh, even after you, you, you beat Wyoming and then... The Indiana game, like, like you mentioned, was weird. You beat up on Virginia. You beat up on Chattanooga. Uh, you hadn't done it before. So now that you've been to a bowl game, you've been to Tampa, Brett Bielma has proved that he can do it, not just at one Big Ten West spot, but at a second Big Ten West spot. And, yeah, it's, it's definitely a different excitement. I'm, I'm a little bit scared, not to be pessimistic, but just knowing that the schedule, the first few games could be pretty rough. Like, we, we could start one and two, and then we're still wondering, like, okay, are we good? Or was, you know, Toledo just bad? Or did, did, we, did we just happen to beat Kansas or something like that? Um, 
you could you could e easily lose to Kansas and Penn State, and then we're still in this. Are we good? Are we going to get to another bowl game situation? So, um, I'm I'm excited. I mean, just just don't let Toledo hang around tomorrow, and and I'll feel pretty good. You know, I was thinking about what we need as Illini fans from this season. I think the easy answer is make a bowl. Yeah, that's easy. But in a weird way, I actually think going six and six, and I'm not trying to be greedy here, but I do think that six and six, after how good they looked for most of last year, even some of those close losses like at Michigan, that if this really is a turnaround, six and six in this Big Ten West is not a mild disappointment, but it feels like you're treading water. So what do you need? We'll get to predictions and all that later, but if we're sitting here in December recapping the regular season, what do you need to have in order to say that was a success? I think definitely another bowl game. And then I want to see, like, last year, every game was competitive, right? The last time, as far as I can remember, that you've had a Brett Bielma game that got pretty out of hand was Virginia his first year, where that felt like a Lovey Smith game. You weren't really in the game. I mean, you went down, like, two or three touchdowns instantly. So six and six at least, and then the six losses are competitive. Um, hang, with, hang with Penn State. Uh, you, might, you might lose some tough ones, like at Iowa. Um, but n none of that playing, playing with your food sort of stuff where you let FAU hang around or you go down three touchdowns instantly like you used to do with Lovey. Um, so I think, again, bowl game and then completely competitive throughout where, and like you, it's the Big Ten West, right? We're not, we're not talking about the SEC. Um, and how great would it be to go out on top? I mean, nobody outside of the Midwest would care to go out on top of the last Big Ten West uh, battle, but um, yeah. I need at least six games and the other six to be competitive. But, but you know what? You say that, and it's true that the vast majority of football fans would look at winning the Big Ten West as not that big of a thing, yeah. and I, I get it. But that's kind of the beauty of this season is we are in this division for at least one more year in this current configuration. It, we know will change starting next offseason. But it is a rare opportunity where just because the rest of the division is so, for lack of a better term, mediocre, and I don't think that's crazy to say after no. watching last night. Uh -uh. Mediocre might be a compliment for some of these teams. But I do think that this opportunity that presents itself, mixed with the fact that this Illini team was so close last year, if everything I believe in Brett Bielema as a fan to be true, or is to be true, then they will use that to feed them throughout the season. Now, that can all be true, and they might have the exact right mindset, but I still acknowledge that the talent differential is not so crazy where this Illinois team can walk into any game and just win based on sheer mindset. They right. have to execute, and that was the problem more than anything in November. So you say bowl game, I agree. Yep. We'll get to wins and losses later. I think we'll know it. I think we'll know the feel at the end of the season, whether or not it's positive, whether or not it's sitting well with us, or if we have lingering questions, don't you? Yeah, no, totally, I agree. And I think one thing that might make this season different Whereas in the past, it's it hasn't been it hasn't been as um, successful after a successful season. I think Bielma has done it before. He's been in the Big Ten West before, and also he won more Big Ten games the first couple years than the past Big Ten the past line I coached that had success um, in their first couple years. I mean, even Ron Zook only won a couple Big Ten games his first, you know, his first couple years. One. One. It was at Michigan State, 06. Bielma won, has already won nine, I believe. So uh, Let's see, it was four in year one and five last year, yeah. So I have a lot more confidence in that, going back to your Bielma mindset point. Um, 
Yeah, I, I feel a lot more confident. I know that's probably like the kiss of death. That's probably the dumbest thing an Illini fan could say. But and we'll talk about that. I do we'll, feel yeah. I do feel different in, than I have in the past for sure. Let's talk about the way the fans feel because yeah. I, I know that 08 and for me going all the way back to 02, it really informs the way that we feel about Illini football. Where right when you get to that moment of excitement they come out the next year and they don't even make a bowl and i remember the feeling in 02 they started one and three after the sugar bowl they lost to missouri and st louis mm. on the road at southern miss i forget who the third team they the third game they won and then the fourth game they lost to san jose state at home before michigan came in and smoked them yeah in 08 it started out a little bit hot and cold they smoked michigan at michigan but they lost a, a random home game to a terrible minnesota team and then of course the loss against western michigan and detroit so those two yeah. years really inform it and then it's like it all came together in 2011 where they start six and zero, and then you finish zero and six and at that point it's just a cruel joke mm -hmm. and you really are reluctant to invest yourself back in this football program which we know speaks to Bielema the fact that we are feeling better. Yeah. And yet, there are so many disappointments that predate this coaching staff, it's hard to shake. So are you finding that you're able to not think about that so much? Or I, I should say, are you finding that it's easier to ignore past disappointments because of your confidence in this coaching staff? I think 100%. And one thing I'm trying to separate, too, is I'm trying not to throw any sort of even like basketball success or anything that Illini fans would be like, you know, it's not just football, it's the whole fan base, right? Or it's, it's, it's all Illini athletics, we're cursed, like we've seen this happen before where things get better and then they just completely fall off. Um, I think too, you don't, you just hear that Bielma's got, got, these, got things figured out, he's got guys in the right mindset. Um, all the players when they're being interviewed, they just talk about the praises of Brett Bielma over and over and over again that I don't know if I'm being naive, but just the way that the, the people inside the program and the coaches that he brings in, I mean, the coaches he brings in are so proven. They've done it at this level, um, very experienced. I mean, Jim Leonard, I almost forgot that we even brought him in. Me too. And that's just, that, that, that really helps. I think too, just the experience of all the other guys. It's not even Brett Bielma, just knowing where all these other guys have come from just helps me be a little bit more at peace. Whereas the past coaching staffs, so I just, you know, he didn't feel that sort of security. Yeah, security for sure. It was it was always a sense of insecurity because of what Ron Turner did, and then Ron Zook, and then we won't even speak about Lovey and Beckman and the Cubit thing. But you mentioned the staff around them. We know it's a big year for Barry Lunny. Mm -hmm. You know, when I spoke to him back in July, and then we aired it at the start of August, I was very impressed with that interview because he was very thoughtful in his responses, and he also admitted certain maybe not blind spots, but tendencies that they had last year because of Chase Brown, yep. the sure thing, and. What I'm excited to see about more than anything this season, and really starting tomorrow with the new quarterback and everything in place, there is still enough coming back on offense and it being year two with Barry Lunny that for some reason I have this suspicion that they actually will, according to the metrics and, and, and yardage and scoring, they'll be a better offense. And yet, on its face, that sounds ridiculous because you have your former QB got signed to the practice squad for the Giants, yeah. and then you have Chase Brown with the Bengals, and then you have three of your secondary guys that are gonna be in the two deep of NFL teams. So that's the defense I know, but starting with the offense, what gives you reasons for optimism? Because we know what the reason for pessimism would be, which is new quarterback, no Chase yeah. Brown. Yeah, 
and also too a couple offensive linemen in the NFL. I think Palcho, Palcho's yep. uh, with the Broncos or something. He might have might have gotten injured, but a couple other uh, NFL talent on the team. I'm super excited for Isaiah Williams. Like you mentioned, we're going to chase last year. You just have to give the ball to Chase Brown so much. Um, I think I think it's an easy thing to fall into as a fan when you do come up short and you have a guy of that talent of that skill level. You tend to blame like. It's, it's easy to think, okay, maybe things will be better now because he was only able to get us so far. Um, we noticed when we got down to the end of the red zone and we just kept feeding him and because we maybe we hadn't established the pass. But to go back to answer your question, I'm, I'm super excited about Isaiah. I feel like when we, we should have given him the ball a lot more last year. And they started um, to, like late yes. we saw they even started stretching the field. The bowl mm -hmm. game to me was very promising with Isaiah oh, yeah. as a wide receiver. And... You've heard Isaiah talk about Luke, Luke Altmeyer being able to throw that better deep ball. I don't know why in the past couple years. I think it was two years ago, Rutgers, you know, they came in and beat us when we could have made a bowl game if we would have beat Rutgers. Yeah, and then and, you go the next week and you win at Minnesota. Yes, and Isaiah had like a 30-some yard bomb from Brandon Peters that he took to the house, but we didn't do that at all. That, I don't think we did that once last year. So well, I'm, I'm trying to think, what was the biggest pass play last year? I, I remember a memorable one that Art yeah. Sitkowski threw in the Iowa game. I, th I bet I would almost guarantee if you're talking about like air yards and yeah. not like Isaiah taking it to the end zone, I think it would be Pat Bryant down the left or down the, the west sideline in the Minnesota game. Okay. Min Minnesota scores. Yeah. And then you need to score to take the lead and Pat Bryant gets. But that was still 30 yards. Well, some of them were the Chase Brown sneaking out of the backfield yes. and then it'd be a 20, 25 yard touchdown, which mm -hmm. looked pretty. It was well executed. Mm -hmm. But in terms of a wide receiver going deep and yeah. DeVito hitting him in stride. And I hate to regurgitate this because Tommy was so good and so instrumental in that team winning yeah. eight games last year. But I think I started to see in November and then the bowl game 100%. was glaring. There was a ceiling based on that inability to stretch it. And I know he wasn't helped by a wide receiving core, which was still rather green. Yeah. But that game against Mississippi State, there was a wide open Isaiah Williams that I think would have helped you put the game away. And you were it, there. Yeah, I was there. yeah. And it was clear as day, and it felt like such a missed opportunity. And Luke Altmeyer does not need to throw 70% no. completion percentage if he can hit a few of those. That's one thing I'm excited to see tomorrow. And, and to see, too, if that really influences the way that Barry Lunny calls it. Because we'll get to the keys of the game. Yeah. And there's one that you wrote down that I... I agree with to an extent about Luke Altmaier, but I, I actually think there are going to be three or four moments tomorrow where Lunny cuts him loose. It's risky, but it's sort of saying, kid, this is your team, yeah. and you're here for your arm. We'll get to his legs in a bit because that excites me. But yeah, that's what I'm really looking for in Luke Altmaier is not super efficient. You don't need him to be. I think the offense and some intermediate routes and short routes will take care of the efficiency part. Can you hit on two or three big plays a game? And if so, that opens up everything. I think, too, with Toledo coming in with great defensive backs, they had an All-American defensive back last year. Not only is it see what Luke Altmaier can do, but <laughs> see what he doesn't do. Like, I don't want him to make that stupid throw, right, especially when you don't need it. Say you go up three, you kick a field goal, you got a chance to go up, go up ten. Don't make that stupid throw. Um, and like, like you mentioned, the legs, Tommy last year, especially when he got hurt and then uh after the iowa game 
he was just really never the same on the ground. Yeah, he wasn't. So I'm hoping that Luke Altmaier can sort of get that ground game going and helpful uh, sort of complement complement the running backs and make up some of that rushing attack from last year. Um, yeah, I think I think biggest thing for me is that he makes make the plays that are there. Don't underthrow guys. Don't overthrow guys. Especially if it's like third and six, can you get that quick out route? And then don't make don't make the the dumb throws because that's what's gonna get. In like sort of more of a, a micro sense, that's what will keep Toledo in the game tomorrow. Is if you do something stupid, they're they're great defensive backs. Take one back to the house. You're down seven zero. You're down ten zero. You know. Um, then the air gets sucked out of the stadium. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Now, talking about legs for a quarterback. Yep, yep. And, and Tommy DeVito last year, the run against Minnesota, there was a bootleg kind of thing. He went left for an early yep. touchdown. There was the only touchdown in the bowl game. Yeah, it was and, a, there, and then in that run, like the Wisconsin game, weren't there two QB snakes? It was two or three, yeah. So, good as Tommy was when he was healthy with his legs, it sounds as if Altmaier's even, an even better runner than that. So, yeah. that is one thing I'm excited to see tomorrow. I, I'll be anxious to see also, we'll, we'll know pretty early, just how well this Toledo secondary stacks yeah. up against the wide receivers. Yeah. And if they are going man, then... I will be looking for Luke Altmaier to pick up a few first downs with his legs. Yeah. And and maybe even be able to break something, depending on how the, the play unfolds. But I, I, I am excited to see an offensive Barry Lunny with a quarterback that has a deeper arm, yep. has the ability to run it maybe a little more than Tommy DeVito, and hoping the efficiency takes care of itself. But then the running backs. Yeah. We don't have Chase Brown. And I don't want to do the thing that we did with basketball. Well, Kofi's gone. That sucks, but it's yeah. going to open everything up. We don't know that for a fact. I know Jeremy Warner is super excited about these running backs. He has yeah. uber confidence. I yeah. know Brett Bielema and the entire staff does. And yet, for some reason, as much as I value what those guys think, I'm thinking, I, I don't know. I'm kind of just going to take their word for it. But where are you at with the running backs? Yeah, I mean, if you... Say Brett Bielma was at like Oregon and not Wisconsin, and he was known for like his air raid. I would be a lot more. I would be a lot more worried because you, at Wisconsin, you have so many examples of him making this work. I mean, John Clay, uh, Melvin Gordon was like. And these an, guys, listen, a couple of them were great in the NFL, but a John Clay. Right, right. Just a guy. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, and I mean now, a big guy. Yeah, just guy after guy. So if if I didn't have that to to rely on, I would be a little bit more worried. I think, too, you saw McCray do it freshman year. If McCray didn't get, say McCray had a healthier year last mm -hmm. year, be way more confident, obviously. And then Reggie Love, we used to kind of make jokes. I remember like, oh geez, here comes Reggie Love because he would come in randomly and like on third down yeah, situations, like crucial sometimes. situations, yeah. and give him the ball. <laughs> um, but then the Northwestern game, he actually made a few really nice runs. Now, granted. Everybody can make nice runs against uh, Northwestern, but I would say I feel pretty confident, but it's still a lot of unknown. Uh, Brett Bielma's passed again. Make, makes me feel a lot better about it. And then just keep McCray healthy, and you're going to be a lot better in the red zone down near the goal line. I, I truly believe that. So we're starting to kind of talk about the offense. Let's, let's do this. We actually prepped yeah. for this show. We did uh, an agenda, the yeah. likes of which I have not done since the 93-5 days. We leave nothing to chance in uh -huh. our first live podcast from Poor Brothers Champagne. Now, I wanted to go through each position unit and kind of assign a confidence level. And here's how we're going to do it. On a scale of 1 to 10, we're going to go through each position unit. We're going to total up offense, defense, special teams, and find an average. 
it's sort of like how when you play Madden yep. and you select your team, they got the offense, defense, special teams, they have a rating to it. We're going to do something similar. Let's start offense with the offensive line, and here's your starting lineup. Julian Pearl, Isaiah Adams. We got two Cruises. Who's the center Cruz? Uh, James. He plays linebacker. James plays linebacker, and then it's Josh Cruz? Jo Josh, Josh plays okay. center, yeah. Getsky and Chrysler on the right side yeah. of the line. Yeah. Confidence level in the offensive line. What do you have it? Between one and ten. Offensive line, I went eight uh, because you return a lot of guys. I mean, Isaiah Adams, huge dude. Could have gone third or fourth round last year. Cy Chrysler also would have probably been drafted. Julian Pearl, big dude, tough. Probably would have made an NFL camp or something, or he's, he's going to be. Um, I think the unknowns of Geske and Krutz, that that's where I wouldn't go any higher than an eight because okay. something could go something could go poor there, and then your center and guard situation is kind of iffy, and you start moving guys around. Um, I don't love the depth after that. I mean, you have Jordan Slaughter, who was almost a starter. And then another thing that we kind of forget, yes, Chase Brown had a ceiling, and he would seem to like run into the offensive line a lot of times. But there was a few games, like Michigan State comes to mind. A lot of yards ever mind. carry. Yes. The offensive line wasn't doing, wasn't taking care of, wasn't taking care of the, the trenches either. So those few things concern me. I do think, again, Brett Bielma's passed. He sent so many NFL guys from his offensive line. Um, there, there's just too much of that to rely on. And uh, Bart Miller and uh, just just the guys on staff make me feel a lot, a lot more. I mean, who knows? Like Josh Krutz, we might be talking about at the end of the season. Like, oh, is he, he's, he might go to the league, you know, in a couple of years. So his lineage helps. Yes. I mean, I remember Olin playing for the Bears, yep. and I will go with the kid is smarter than he is big, mm -hmm. and that's going to be enough to carry him through at center. So, and also the fact that the center, one of the first things you kind of ask them to do is just hold it down and not make mistakes. Yeah. And then block. So I, I, I feel okay with that. Geske is someone they seem really high on at right guard. Chrysler, they expect to jump out of on the left side. I love that because you were protecting the blind side for Luke Altmaier. Yep. And I think that that will be crucial because we know he's not the biggest quarterback. The last thing you can afford is a hurt quarterback. So I agree with you on eight. Wide receivers. Here is your wide receiving core, at least the guys that will get the most snaps. Isaiah Williams, Pat Bryant, Casey Washington, one, two, three. I put Malik Elzey four. Yeah. And it seems the way they're talking about him, that's about right. And then Hank Beatty as your sure-handed slot guy. Yeah. When you go five wide, or maybe he goes in for Casey Washington sometimes. I went eight, which I know is a little bit high for a passing attack that wasn't great last year. But I went eight because of the age, the veterans that are back there. I think Isaiah Williams is primed for a 1,000-yard season. And the fact that Malik Elzey, while he's not going to do an Aurelius Ben impersonation, I still think is capable of maybe a few hundred yards and some big plays. And that alone brings so much value to a wide receiving core last year that when Pat Bryant was hurt, you were kind of screwed. I'm going eight. It might be generous. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with, with all that. The only thing I, I push back on a little bit is, again, they are, they're older, but they're still a little bit unproven. I mean, Pat, Pat Bryant was sort of mixed into that chunk of wide receivers the past couple of years. I mean, Brian Hightower was there last year, and we all thought Brian Hightower might be the next big thing. Um, Hank Beatty is another guy that I think is going to be great, but really hasn't proven it yet. I know the staff's really high on him, and um, 
But I do think you have Williams, who I definitely think can play in the league, and then the rest of the guys who are average to above average Big Ten wide receivers. So if you just get Isaiah showing up every week and then you get Casey Washington or Pat Bryant, one of those guys showing up every week, and Isaiah is going to always be shadowed by the best by the best corner, right? He's going to be shadowed by the All-American dude tomorrow. So then you're really going to need Bryant or Washington to show up. And I do I do I like that it's deep and like in past years you would need Malik Elzey to come in and be the stud. So the fact that he doesn't need to be a stud this year and you can still have a solid wide receiver room is really uh, comforting, but yeah, I, I just went seven because a lot more unproven, and yeah, there's there's just a lot of question marks, and and if you have an injury or two, I think wide receiver could be could be a little iffy, more so with the size, right? If if Bryant or Casey Washington goes down, and you have Isaiah Williams and Hank Beatty playing a lot, then you're not getting that much size on the outside. I'm excited for Casey Washington yeah. this year. I, I know he's not the, the sexiest name to throw out there, but what I love about him is how sure-handed he is, yep. and I can see him being a third down kind of safety outlet for Luke Altmaier. And think about Casey Washington. Got the game-winning catch in the nine-overtime game against Penn State. Yep. Got this ridiculous circus catch at Minnesota to help you win that game. One of the few big plays of that game, which I think finished, I don't know, 10 to 7, 13 to 6, I don't know, yeah, something like four, that. Yeah, something like that. Running backs. We briefly touched on this. McCray, love, your 1-2, 1-A, 1-B. Aiden Lawfrey looks to be getting some touches this year. And then Caden Fegan? Keaton F- Fagan. Caden Fagan. Fagan. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. God, it's always screwing me up here. It is. It's a little, it's a weird one. Listen, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Where are you at 1 to 10? So I went ahead and went with 7 for this one as well, just because, again, you're deep, but still more unproven. It's, it's easy to forget that McCray really only played a handful of games his freshman year and then one game last year. So, I mean, he looks like a stud. He looks like he should probably be in the league right now, but he only has, you know, six or seven games games on him in the, in the, at the Division One level. Hey, the good news about that is he's not banged up. Yeah. So, or so they say, and he does have uh, – his legs couldn't be fresher. And they seem excited, but I know you and Trevor and myself are a little weary of – eventually if someone's been injury-prone or mm-hmm. mistake-prone, accident-prone enough – you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. And the one thing that's a little bit scary, too, is I think these two guys are going to be very reliant on each other because Reggie Love can't be your every down back. And then the way that Josh McCray runs, how physical Josh McCray runs, he can't be the every down back either in the sense he needs Reggie Love to come in after he just ran over a couple guys so he can get off the field. You know, he's not as beat up. Um, so you really need this to be sort of a... Uh, mutual relationship, if you will, like they need to be giving each other breaks and and, and uh, giving you giving you first downs. Again, I went I went seven. A lot of unproven. Aiden Lawfrey, Caden Fagan, they're just still pretty young. The thing that's interesting too is Aiden Lawfrey. I know he's built, but he's more of that like scat back. Yeah, but yeah. he's more like that ten second hundred meter dash guy. And then Caden Fagan is like six whatever 220 you should be playing linebacker in the nfl right now as big as mccray yeah basically. so you really do have a mix of guys but i i really hope that you have a guy like a legit big 10 guy i think if it's going to be someone it's going to be mccray and if he's healthy i could maybe bump this up but for now i'm going to go seven that is partially based on the fact that i think your running backs are fine and i think the offensive line will help them and also that brett bielema has that track record as you said i'll go seven and this moves us to quarterbacks Luke Altmaier, John Paddock, Donovan Leary. This story of the season is Luke Altmaier. 
I went seven, which I believe is a little bit higher than you, and I'll tell you why. I just feel as if we would have heard more whispers or something to indicate that Luke Altmaier was not up to snuff, that he wasn't performing that well in camp. And it's like they are as cautiously trying to say without saying it, oh, he's really good. Now, they love Tommy DeVito. Tommy, if you remember last year, did not blow us away immediately. It was probably the Wisconsin game where it first was like, whoa, this is a pretty good Big Ten quarterback, yeah. maybe. But that first month of the season after Wyoming, I thought, yeah, it's pretty good. That's all I need tomorrow. That's all this team needs, to be honest. So because of that, this confidence level, I got a seven based on the fact you will not be asking him to be Kurt Kittner Redux. You're asking him to be an efficient quarterback that can make the big play. Of course, there will be a few more mistakes. But you know what? You beat Iowa last year with four turnovers. How? Football's weird. I, not that you can always overcome that, but I do think that there's enough other things on this offense to overcome, let's say, the additional four, five turnovers he will probably amass over the course of the year. Yeah, I think, again, with Altmaier, we've talked about this a lot. It's just the he doesn't have a lot of reps, right, at the Division One level. Even at Ole Miss, he only started, I think, of one or two games. So that's why I, w I went with a six. Um, I will start out with a positive, though. I think John Paddock, he played four or five years at Ball State. The only reason he's still able to play is because of COVID. Um, but he went and played at Sold Out Tennessee. So he's not going to be scared if he has to go in for a few plays at, at Kinnick Stadium. Um, so I do think if Altmeyer gets hurt, I would trust Paddock to come in for like a half or like a quarter. But if Altmeyer got really hurt, that's why I'm more at like a six because Paddock, I think, is going to be more limited. There's a reason why he's a walk-on and not mm -hmm. a bunch of other schools were after him. Um, now, again, he's a backup. But I think Altmaier just was so much that's unproven. And then you go, you go to John Paddock, um, who I, I don't want him starting multiple games. What would you have scored it last year going into the season before seeing DeVito play? A six or seven? I would say a six or seven. I, did, I, I, I was more confident in Art yeah. potentially being. I liked Art. <laughs> he seems Art. like a great dude, but he just, he just couldn't really throw the ball down the field. He had a um, big arm, but he... He was a thrower, not yes, a passer. a chucker, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, that's our offense. So we cumulatively, Perfect. I got 30 points, you got 28. So if we're playing Madden, and it's a 1 to 10 scale for each unit, I got a 7.5 for the offense. You have a 7. Let's move the defense. Defensive line, I'm going 10. I'm going 10 because of this, instead of 9. Understanding that nose tackle, I don't want to say is completely unproven, but a little bit. It's the emergence of Daxon. Yeah along with T-Rod Edwards, that makes me think if you can spell those two guys and have them sort of split plays out there, the whole job of the nose tackle in this defense is merely take up space, take up offensive linemen. They'll have that ability to do so when Johnny Newton's getting double and triple teamed or Randolph is getting double teamed as well. So I think that if you look at it in a complementary way, the dominance of a Johnny Newton, the greatness of a Keith Randolph, your two best defensive players, will make that job easier and collectively those three are the strength and if i were to pick one strength over any other as far as if i'm building my ideal team on defense it's always going to be the line i've seen it with all of my favorite teams the bears when they make their super bowl run in 07 great secondary great linebackers but that defensive line when a tommy harris was healthy was so dominant in getting them to that place in 2001 same thing with Oh, gosh, it was Keith Trailer and uh, something Washington down there, too. 
I'm going 10. What do you got? It's super easy to be negative. I mean, this is college football. It's not NFL football. You're going to have holes everywhere. I think the main reason I didn't go 10 was because you don't have that proven, productive dude at nose tackle. If you brought back like Calvin Avery or somebody like that, I probably would have gone 10. And still had the depth behind him. Exactly. Too, yeah. And I think depth is another thing, too, that's, that we're sort of uncertain about. I think Bryce Barnes would come in and... and uh, well, Seth McConnell would be... Yeah, Seth McConnell. Would yep. be in place of a Newton or a Randolph, I believe. Yeah, so if you get if you get an injury, that that's pretty scary. And then it's, it's just so hard... I, I think they can do it. It's just really hard to replicate that productivity from last year. It, it's incredibly hard. And then you also wonder, too, how they're going to divvy up the plays. I think right. Newton's going to be out for most because you have to. Yep. It, Randolph probably 85 90%. But it'll be interesting to see if they can't do a little bit of rotational stuff. One, to keep him fresh. And two, to try to avoid injury, especially as get late in the games. I go 10, you go 9. I went 9. Outside linebackers, I think another key position for this team. You're looking at Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes, Alec Bryant, who they really like back there as well. What are you going with for outside linebackers? So I went with 7, and again, I'm not trying to be negative, but they really didn't sack the quarterback that great last year, and that's the main, that's thing. That's the yeah. main thing that you want from your outside linebackers, besides contain. You don't want them to let guys get outside. I think they were like middle of the pack at sacking the quarterback last year. And even like Gabe, Gabe Yakis, who was awesome, I think all of his sacks came against like Chattanooga, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Which again, you're not going to expect your true freshman to go in against Michigan and get three sacks either. But I think, again, they weren't that great at sacking the quarterback. Um, and if your DBs are going to be struggling this year, I'm going to really need to see that more, uh, which I do think they can take that sophomore jump. So that, that's why I'm at a seven. I do have a lot of faith in him, and I think that especially Gabe can do it. And then, I mean, yeah, Alec Bryant was a four-star. We almost forgot about because Seth Coleman was also playing really well. Um, so there, I'm, I'm confident, but there's still some question there. I'm going eight. I think that Charlie Bullen, Bo, yes, Bullen, right? I'm gonna get Charlie Bullen. Bullen, thank you. God, yeah. between him and Caden Fagan. <laughs> it is Caden Fagan, by the way. It's the, yes. Both of them are A sounds in yes, each of those. True. Thank you. All right, so... I really like this new position coach, though, that they got for the outside linebackers. Yeah. And that's not to say that, oh, gosh, who was Ryan Walter's right-hand man now? Kane. Yeah, because Kane. Kane was outside linebackers last year, right? Yes. And it's not to say he wasn't great at it, but you mentioned the lack of getting the quarterback, and that was a point of emphasis this offseason. Physically, you know they can do it. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those ratings I'm giving based on the idea that, yes, they will develop, they will take that natural step. Because really, even last year, we probably would say they were at a 6 out of 10 in terms of production. They didn't hurt you. They could have probably done more. Mm -hmm. I think that jump that you're going to take defensive line with one more year with NFL players and Newton and Randolph, that that only helps the outside linebackers. They're pretty complementary with one another. And this leads to inside linebackers. We both went 7. Yeah. And to me, it's a steady 7. I'm not worried about them. They're fine. They're going to do what they have to do and not make mistakes. I don't want to say addition by subtraction with C.J. Hart. Mm -hmm. He struggled last year. Yeah, yeah. I am excited to see uh, Dylan Rosiak, Kalena Odaluga. Kanena. It's a tough one. Kanena. Kanena Odaluga, yeah. But he looks the part. Yeah, huh, And we know sure. that Tariq Barnes is just good. Yep. Really good. Yep. So I, I got a seven for that, and you do too, right? Yeah, no, I think Tariq is a big reason why it's a seven. And if he had another proven starter next to him, it would probably be like an eight or a nine. Um, I, I think it was Bielma that came out not too long ago and basically said that Tariq is like the most 
not talked about guy on our team, right? I mean, he's he's been there for a while. He was really productive last year. Um, and yeah, Rozjak and Odaluga. Odaluga came in and made a few plays last year, um, which I didn't really realize until he, I was he watching. Came on late a little bit. Yeah, I was watching a highlight clip or something, and I saw him make a sack in one of the one of the games. But Rozjak, special team guy, was always near the ball. Um, but I do think we kind of forget. Isaac Darkangelo last year. I mean, he's on the practice squad for the Raiders, and we almost like didn't even realize he was on the team. He's but he led good. the team in tackles. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so you're losing a couple really productive guys. Again, C.J. Hart was disappointing, but um, I, I do like that group of three guys, though. And I, I think you you couldn't ask for a better leader in Tariq Barnes to to lead those guys. Secondary. This is the, our biggest point of difference here. Your cornerbacks are Taz Nicholson and Tyler Strain. Your nickelback slash star is Xavier Scott. Your free safety is Miles Scott. And your starting strong safety tomorrow is Clayton Bush from SIU. Where are you at 1 to 10? So I'm at a 5. Okay. Right, right in the middle. But if you would have asked me last year what I was at, it probably wouldn't have been a 10, even though it ended up being a 10. Um, I think this could easily... Justin, after the Kansas game, if they play really well, then shoot, I'll put it at like an eight. But I think, again, it's uh, this is one of the things why people are so sick about talking about football because we've been talking We're about ready the to secondary yeah, since no June. Doubt. Um, I think Taz is, Taz is going to be great. I think he played really well last year. And something that's, that's slept on is when Taz got hurt last year, the opposite side of Devin Witherspoon really struggled. And you didn't notice that as much when Taz was healthy. Um, T-Strain, again, younger guy, doesn't have a ton of reps. It's I Xavier like Scott. Him. Yeah. I like him. I like these guys, too. But defensive back was also the position that the coaches seemed to, like, dance around the most. Yeah. So I think this could easily be just a year where teams really take advantage of just get, getting the ball out quick. And you're just going to have a lot of guys rotating in. And if Matthew, ba- if Matthew Bailey was healthy, I would probably be a six or a seven. Wow. I think that. I like him. That's huge. Yeah. I'm going seven. This might indicate where I'm going with my season prediction, by the way. But Taz Nicholson and Tyler Strain on the outside, I feel pretty comfortable with. We'll get to the Toledo game. I feel even more comfortable tomorrow because Toledo's wide receivers are not that big. Yeah. And Taz and Tyler Strain are not that big. That could be a problem, and everyone under them is a lot bigger, a lot taller. Yeah. The, the fact they're doing the Xavier Scott thing the way that they did Quan Martin last year, yeah. they're heaping praise on this guy like he is going to the NFL next year. And there is a track record of these emergent secondary pieces like a Kirby Joseph two years ago and then a Quan Martin last year. I mean, Quan Martin was not that great his first couple years. No. There were times where we thought, we got to get him off the field. Same with Kendall Smith. And Kendall Smith, who yeah. made an NFL roster, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he just got cut. But he yeah. might have just got cut. Yeah. But regardless, the Still. fact is, and that also leads to Miles Scott, who is in a position where you camp out and you pick off stray footballs. So Clayton Bush, we'll see. I mean, the fact that he won that competition over some pretty good athletes tells you something. But I'm going seven based on the fact I like the outside. They love the nickelback. The free safety position tends to take care of itself. And I would agree that if Matthew Bailey were out there and you felt like the Sidney Brown position was more taken care of, then I'd feel even better. 
I, I'm sort of acknowledging you are not going to have the beast that is Sidney Brown back there and that it can still look all right, but it will look different. Yeah. And I think that Bush will be fine in that role. You got a Demetrius Hill behind that as well, the Nicario Harper, and some the, other the, pieces. That was one thing that stood out to me after they sort of finalized who was going to start at, at the safety positions was when I heard Demetrius Hill was transferring, you'd think, okay, a freshman All-American. I know it was FIU, but still a freshman All-American. Like, you're telling me he made that over, like, a lot of guys in the SEC and in the Big Ten. I would have just assumed, okay, he's going to come in and start. So that, that's another reason why I'm, like, I'm iffy. I'm like, okay, maybe he's, he, he really didn't show up that well in camp or these guys are just getting it because they're a little bit older. I don't, so I have most questions at that position, but, again, so does everybody. So I really hope halftime tomorrow I find out that I'm wrong. It'd be nice if you're setting up 17 to 7 at halftime. Yeah. You're feeling pretty good at that point. But I am at 32 total points, which is an average of 8. I got my defense rate at 8 out of 10. You got yours at a 7 out of 10. Special teams, last but not least, they were a big deal last year. Yeah. We each went 7, which tells me that we are not overly concerned. I'm certainly not concerned about kicking. I think you have yeah. two really good kickers. Yep. And... We saw the Minnesota game was one example last year. When you did not have Caleb Griffin to kick it out the back of the end zone, that's a problem. Yeah. When you kick it out the back of the end zone, that is one less thing to worry about. You will not have to worry about that this year because if Griffin gets hurt, Alano can kick it out the back of the end zone as well. This is all about punting, isn't it? Yeah, because Hugh Robertson doesn't have... So Caleb Griffin, if, if he gets hurt or he just starts to really forget how to kick the football, like you said, you have... Alano and also Fabrizio Pintone, who came in and won you that Iowa game last year. Um, but Hugh Robertson's backup is, I think it's technically Caleb Griffin, but I know you have Declan Dooley, who's the freshman. Brett Bielma said he wasn't going to play. Um, special t your special teams are good when you don't really notice them that much, right? Um, because they're doing their job. Last year, we noticed the special teams way too much. I mean, I don't want to notice them. No, the Indiana game, the Michigan State game. I mean, there was too many, like, punts in the teens last year, like <laughs> under 20 yards, which you just can't afford. And even imagine if your defense wasn't insanely talented last year, how much more punting could have really hurt you. Um, so, yeah, and, and I do think, I mean, Isaiah dropped, I think, a couple of punts last year too, which yeah. we, we don't think about that side of special teams. So I feel like another year for him being back there catching punts, another year getting used to – sort of feeling the ball and not and not being a quarterback. I feel a lot better about the return side of things, too. Um, the more athletes you got returning the football, the better. The reason I didn't go lower as well, new special teams coordinator with Robbie Disher. Yeah. has a good pedigree. All right, so my offense 7.5, my defense 8, and my special team 7. You had 7s across the board. Yeah. Rock solid team. Uh, I, I think we both agree that this is going to be a good team. But then that leads to the Big Ten West, and where does being good, mm -hmm. or per perhaps very good, where does that get you? I want to talk about the Big Ten West. Last night, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, legit, it actually was a lot of fun to watch, but sort of in the way that a, a bad movie yeah. is so bad that you find the cringy moments kind of funny. Last night was too teams that do not scare me at all no and honestly kind of changed the way that i'm projecting my win total this i year. saw somebody put it like this on twitter it was sort of the big 10 west college football in general and then the big 10 west like when you go to watch a nfl game maybe not when you watch the bears but when you go to watch an nfl game you know you're going to get like 10 out of 10 talent every single time and then in college you might get 
uh, five out of ten moment, like that Nebraska touchdown yesterday. That somehow, you know, he bobbles it and Sims throws it in the end zone, and then you get like that catch that the Minnesota wide receiver made. Like that's an eleven Incredible. out of ten play. So the fact that you can get both spectrums in college and especially the Big Ten West is what so it makes it so so wild. I I totally agree though. I mean, if we come out and just look solid the next few weeks. The Big Ten West is not not going to scare me. So let's talk about the Big Ten West. We're going to go seventh to first with our projections. And it's no surprise that each of us have Northwestern at seventh. Do yeah. you have them winning a single game? No. I don't either. I'm Lost sure they will game. because that would be like Northwestern thing to do. Yeah. But now that Fitzgerald's not there. Yeah. Yeah. They have no No, no they probably anymore. won't. Yeah. Take that back. So this leads to six where we do have a little bit of differentiation here. I have Nebraska sixth. I only have them winning two games, which by my count, it looks like Northwestern at home and Purdue at home. But they already lost to Minnesota. They got Michigan as their next Big Ten game at Illinois, at Michigan State, and I know they aren't great. Maryland, tough. At Wisconsin, they finished with Iowa. That's two wins to me. I got them six. You got who six? I have Nebraska six, and maybe I'm a little uh, recency biased because of last night and what they did in the last... Oh, so you put Nebraska six. Oh, sorry, 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 you sorry. Have, you have Purdue under them, right? I was looking at the wrong number. Yep. I have Purdue six. And then Nebraska fifth. And Nebraska fifth. And that's where we flip. Okay, so yep. fourth, now we're going scratch. Yep. Mini fourth. Wisconsin third. Yep. Illinois second. Yeah. Now, I, I don't want to be a buzzkill. I hate the way that Iowa's schedule shakes out. Really favorable. I hate it. Yeah. At Penn State might matter if we beat Penn State at home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the, that's the way you have to counter that. But even with that, if I say that Iowa loses at Penn State, Michigan State win. Yep. Purdue win. Yep. At Wisconsin? I said loss. So you had that as a loss. I had that actually as a win. Okay. But we'll call it 50-50, all right? Minnesota at home, win. At Northwestern, win. Rutgers, win. At Nebraska wins. So that leaves, even if you count the Wisconsin game, that's two losses. Yeah. And that leaves the Illinois game as potentially their third Big Ten loss. Yeah. Thing is, as I'm looking through this schedule, even as favorable as I want to get, I still think this Illinois team will lose three Big Ten games. I agree. And unfortunately, if Iowa loses three Big Ten games as well, but they beat you. At Kinnick. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah. I hate that. So... We have Iowa winning the Big Ten West. We do, and I think schedule schedule's yeah. a huge part of it, and their offense can't get any worse. <laughs> oh, they don't like it. The I offense get it. can't get any worse for them, so it, the schedule's favorable, like we said. It, it's I hate it. It's just I hate Iowa, it. like that's just what they'll do. No, but here's the thing. Watch, I I am giving myself permission to amend this if they suck against Utah State tomorrow. Okay. And if I see the Cade McNamara, which, listen, I by no means think the Cade McNamara is the savior of Iowa football. But was it Petrus last year? Spencer Petrus, yeah. Terrible. Awful, yeah. Padilla. He's like five foot three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. Cade McNamara just needs to be okay. That offense needs to score, I know the contract says, what, 24 points a game? Yeah. I don't know if they'll get that. But if they score 20 a game... That defense, I just count on it more based on 20 years of experience. And if this game were at Illinois, Illinois-Iowa in late November here, I'd flip it. That's what makes I hate it. Not to bring back negative vibes. That's, what's, that's what makes last year so frustrating. Mm. You beat 
Iowa at home. If you play that at Kinnick, you probably lost. So you you didn't really take advantage of getting to play Iowa at, at home last year. And you got Purdue at home last year, too. Um, I think the 8-4 and four last year was spot on because I think it all balanced out. The bad yeah. luck that you had in the Indiana game, yeah. I think it flipped in that Iowa game. When, when Art Sikowski was down yeah. by the skin of his teeth and the entire stadium thought we had just blown it in spectacular mm-hmm. fashion, the football god said, you know what? It's okay. We remember Indiana. I think that evened out. The Michigan State and Penn, Purdue games, of course, were the disappointments. So this leads now, Isaac, to our season predictions for Illinois. We'll get to Toledo in just a second. Perfect. Season predictions. Oh, so let's go to the end here. Yeah. And do that. Final record prediction. You start. Seven and five. Seven and five. Yeah. Okay. Losses. The losses. Okay, the losses that I'm really confident in. Well, I'm pretty confident in Penn State at Maryland. No one feels good about at Maryland. No. At Iowa. Yep. And then... So you th- those are locks for you, right? Those are the lock losses. Okay. I think you're going to lose either at Purdue or at Minnesota. And then I think you're going to lose either Nebraska or Wisconsin. Wow. Okay. So at Kansas, is that a loss? Actually, yep. That, that's, Kansas okay. was my So you loss. are with the chorus, including, I know Jeremy Warner doesn't feel good about that game yeah. based on the matchup. I yeah. get it. And you think a random loss like either a Wisconsin at home yeah, or Minnesota, yep. but not Nebraska anymore, right? No, huh? Okay, not Nebraska because they're terrible. All right. My prediction, Isaac, yeah. I amended it after last night. Yeah. I amended it after watching that. <laughs> let's, I don't know. Slugfest is the kindest word I can give it. it was, that's way too kind. I got nine and three. Yeah. Which is gaudy. Which even if you don't win the Big Ten, if I'm nine and three, I'm ecstatic. Yeah. In this Big Ten West, I think the only game you lose in the Big Ten West is at Iowa. Yeah. At Wisconsin would be tricky. We don't know what they're gonna look like yet, but you get them at home and it's yeah. the Wisconsin connection. Minnesota is after the bye week. I we saw them last night. Doesn't scare me. No. Nebraska is at home. You're gonna beat them. Purdue, revenge game. All the things that are going to be going into that, and Ryan Walters, you're going to win at Purdue and maybe handily. And then Northwestern, come on. That means you're six and one, or sorry, five and one against your Big Ten West opponents. So my losses are at Iowa, sadly. But hey, if we get there, what the hell? Yeah. Roll the dice. Penn State, I have as a loss. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily think that. I feel weirdly good about that game. If they, listen, if they go 2 and 0. Yeah. I feel pretty good about it. If yep. they go one and one with a loss to Kansas, I feel pretty good about it because you just lost the previous game and there's kind of a track record here yep. with Bielema and the staff. At Maryland, I agree. Nope. Nah. And you know what? The beautiful thing about that is we're going to wake up that morning. The spread will be, I don't know, Maryland minus six and a half or something. Nothing crazy, but they're going to be at home. They got a great quarterback and a high powered offense, but they're messy. They are messy. Yeah. So you could get them in that game where it just doesn't work out. And then Maryland, as much as my gut says you're going to lose, my head says, well, hold on. Play it. If you take out the loss a few years ago when Lovey was the coach and you just got That walloped. has no bearing. Well, that was. See, that's what I always yeah. think of last that time you were at. Okay. Well, last time you were at College Park, yeah. 
I remember two years ago though in Brett Bielema's first year where yep. he should have won that game. That was that was a that was almost as bad as last. I I don't know if anything was as bad as Nebraska's choke last night, but you had the ball up seven. Yeah. With like five minutes left. I thought you were up two scores in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Maybe not, but I, it, I think it was seven, and they tied it, and then he gave it right back, and they won. Yeah. And it was so obvious, but. Okay, nine and three. You got seven and five. This yeah. now leads to the Toledo game tomorrow, yep. six thirty Memorial Stadium. Should be a fun crowd, a pretty lively crowd, and bigger than Wyoming for the season opener last year. Yeah, we each got three keys to the game. Let's trade them. My first key to the game: Can the trenches dominate? Now I know that's maybe more hypothetical. We think they can and maybe should. The new defensive line for Toledo, I think, is of interest. Listening to, I think it's Kyle Rowland, was yep, the Toledo Rowland, reporter yep. on uh, Jeremy's podcast. Yep. He is very skeptical about the pieces that they lost in yeah. their defensive line. If that means you can establish the run, then get a lead early and do what Brett Bielema teams do best. And also, can the Illini D-line, talk about them, can they get to Finn? I think they can contain him. But can you actually get some sacks or can you get some quarterback hits to force a bad throw and get a, a pick for this young secondary? My first key, can the trenches dominate? What's yours? My first key is containing Finn and putting him in tough spots. Now, granted, I didn't know who Daquan Finn was until a few weeks ago, but um, from listening to also Kyle, the Kyle that was on with Jeremy, I guess Daquan played really well last year. I mean, they won the MAC. He really stood out against Ohio State last year. And then just from watching, I think he, he can turn the ball over. Don't let him get loose. If you go down seven or ten points early, I think a big part of it is going to be because Daquan Finn makes a play against your your young secondary. So I think if you can you can put him in tough spots, if you can get to the quarterback like we mentioned, you were not actually that great at last year. Get him in tough spots. He's not going to be able to handle like the Big Ten uh, physicality. Um, I think. Sort of like we did with Brennan Armstrong last year. He got hit so many times, he just he didn't want to throw the ball well, by anymore. By the end of it, he gave up. Right. So I, I think containing him, not letting that electricity come from, from the backfield is, is going to be huge. And I think that's my key, is not letting him get started. Hey, another thing, and I don't have it in my keys, but the non-conference went pretty well for Illinois last year. Wyoming, yeah. Virginia, yeah. Chattanooga. You dominated all three games. Now, I think Toledo of those is probably the best of the bunch, even over a Virginia that was just off last year. Yeah. But Wyoming wasn't terrible, and you came out in week one, and, and it was the trenches. That's what it is. So we yeah. both agreed the trenches to an extent Huge. for number one. My second one, special teams. Not starting with Illinois here, though. Toledo has a new punter and a new kicker. Really? Yes. I did not know that. That's not good. No. That's not what you want if you're a team that wants to win the MAC or maybe go undefeated and be a group of five. And I love the fact that Illinois has a new special teams coordinator, Disher, who is at Tulane, that has a reputation for really good special teams. And here's the deal. I feel great tomorrow if Hugh Robertson is merely consistent. Yeah. 38 yards is fine. Just no... 15 yarders off the side of your foot and then I think that will be fine for punting kicking not worried about excited to see the return game as well yeah and don't kick it off your own guy's butt like don't uh, don't do last that. year yeah what's so your second one my second key is don't let Toledo hang around kind of going off my first key I think the longer say we get to halftime and we're up like three like it's 17 14 or something 
like just put them away early. Don't let them don't let them hang around. If 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 you're only up three and Toledo gets the ball coming out at halftime, you got a lot of scared fans. Now this might be a selfish point because I would rather enjoy the game than sit there and stress out about the game. Sure. Um, but the longer you give a team like that life, and they got nothing to lose, right? I mean, nothing. they're favored in the rest of their games. Like this is their big game. Like if you get them enough time to believe and they make enough plays to believe, I feel like you got to put them down early. You got to be physical early. And Toledo's actually hung close with like the past four or five power five teams they've played besides Ohio State last year. They should have beat Notre Dame a couple years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Um, so don't let them get that confidence and hang around. Just try to do what Ohio State did last year and put them away. I, I do like the fact that they have hung with, and, and it was just a quarter for Ohio State, but they've hung with big teams enough where there's really no excuse for Illinois to look over this, and I don't think they will be. And Brett Bielma lost to Toledo when he was at Arkansas. Yep, that's right. Number three. Oh, yeah, that's... The Bielema effect. Yes. Thank you. Right. All right. No, taken. I have to mention that. Number three, clean game from Altmaier. We both agree on that. Will Lunny play it close to the best? I think he's going to let Luke take about four or five shots. They will be well planned out. They will be things that they've worked on in all, all through training camp. Wouldn't be surprised to maybe see a trick play or two with Isaiah Williams kind of doing a, you know, end around or something like yeah. that. But here's the thing that I'm really excited about. I say a clean game for Altmaier. That includes his legs getting you three, maybe four first downs. Really excited to see them. I know they want to keep them upright and keep them healthy, but I think when you're playing a team like Toledo and not a bruising Big Ten team that really can knock some wind out of you, take your chances now with some run game stuff. I want to see Luke Altmaier do that. I think we will. A clean game by Luke Altmaier, I think, means you win the game. Yeah, I think this should be obvious. Every time you play a MAC team, a non-conference lesser opponent, is just play your game. I don't think Brett Bielma, Barry Lunny seem like the type of guys that are going to be putting in, you know, kicker passes or whatever. But just let Altmaier get comfortable. Just let him make a few throws. If if you can win by just dominating the trenches and running the ball, just do it. I think don't mess around with a team like Toledo. Um, Get Isaiah Williams the ball, like we mentioned earlier. You don't need to throw it deep and across the field, like just no, a quick no. quick pass to him. Um, and I hope Lunny kind of can can open up the playbook and maybe do some different things than he did last year. But, again, you don't need to do anything crazy. Just let Luke make a few plays, make a few throws. And in his first game in Memorial Stadium, um, again, that's kind of obvious. But, hey, sometimes simple is the best way to go. All right, so my three keys were can the trenches dominate? I think they can. Special teams, I think they will be fine. Clean game from Altmaier. Your three are containing Finn. Don't let them hang around. Play your game and use those natural advantages. Picks to click. We got one for offense, one for defense. Starting offensively, I'm going Luke Altmaier to have a big first game. I think that he will be effective in the passing and the run game. I think he'll play a clean game. I think that we will walk out of there saying Luke Altmaier looks good. And if we say that, that's a W. Who's your offensive pick to click? I went with Isaiah Williams. I didn't realize I would be talking about him so much, but I really think he can make plays and if you can get him just open one or two times, he really just needs like that split gap to take it all the way. Um, I know Toledo's got great defensive backs, but if you can really establish that run, which I think you're going to be able to do, then that's when you can get Isaiah deep. And I think Isaiah's going to also shine in the in the return game tomorrow. Um, but if you can really press this defensive back group for Toledo, and hopefully you can take that narrative off where everybody's talking about them being so good, and I think 
I think Isaiah would be a big part of that. You know, I should have maybe mentioned, and maybe not a pick to click, but I think Tip Ryman will have a few catches tomorrow. I hope so. I think the front seven of Toledo being as relatively green as yeah. they are, it's a good opportunity to really make some easy throws for Luke Altmaier to a big target. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I got Luke. You got Isaiah. Okay, easy enough. But defense gets interesting here. We can't really say Johnny Newton or, or Keith Randolph no. this year. It is what it is. Uh-huh. Defense, I got Seth Coleman, outside linebacker, who I think is going to have a great game. He's obviously going to have a big impact. One uncontained, which I know the team struggled with a bit last year. They, yeah. they would easily get fooled on these sort of fakes and play actions, and then the quarterback would sneak to the other side. Mm-hmm. I think Seth Coleman has a big game in contain and also a turnover caused somewhere in this game because as good as Finn is, he is prone to turnovers, yep. especially against better competition. Mm-hmm. Seth Coleman, who do you got? Taz Nicholson. Like I mentioned earlier, people didn't really talk about as much how how – the defensive backs got significantly worse when he got hurt. Like, obviously, Spoon was a lockdown corner, but he really did a good job securing the other side. Um, I think he he can make hits. He can make some plays. Even though he's smaller, he's aggressive. Um, So, like you mentioned, I don't think their receivers aren't going to be all over the place, which maybe he's guarding Johnny Newton. He's probably going to be guarding Johnny Newton's brother, who's a wide receiver for Toledo. So, um, I think if Taz can shut him down and give – uh, Finn less options and sort of get him frazzled a little bit. I think that'll be that'll be a big part of the game. And again, Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph would be the obvious answers, but I'm not going to go with them. You know, if we were complete shills, we would we would have said Xavier Scott. Yeah. Based on everything the coaching staff is. Right, right. I am excited to see him because yeah. it's not often you get praise like that heaped on one guy. Mm-hmm. But I got Seth. You got Taz. We don't need to do a special teams pick to click, do we? No, not as many options. I'm hoping that Caleb Griffin doesn't need to kick many field goals. Yeah. And uh, we did not talk about the red zone, but, of course, that's, that's kind of obvious. they got to be better there. 100%. So, prediction, Isaac. Start with, for a dramatic effect, start with the Toledo prediction, the Toledo score, and then pause, and then do the Illinois score so people don't know if you're going to go over or under. Okay, so I'm going to go with Toledo, 17. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with Illinois, 24. Okay. So I'm going to take them with the win. Which but we don't cover. No, huh? Okay. All right. Yeah. That nine and a half is a little bit tricky. They try to get you there with the hook. But I think Toledo is going to make enough plays. I think it's. I think you're going to be definitely the better team. But it's just going to be first game jitters. Luke Altmaier might throw an interception or something. And, and Toledo might make it close there at the end. But if you dominate the trenches and then just play your game, I think Toledo can still keep it within. I mean, they received AP votes. Like they're, well, I know we're not downplaying them by any means, but no, this would be just like playing, you know, a top thirty, top forty team, which I do think you you can be favored over. But uh, a touchdown win over a team like Toledo is not terrible. Any any win feels good, and yeah. a touchdown win for sure. Yeah. All right, I have Toledo sixteen, Illinois thirty one. Four touchdowns. They close out in the red zone. Luke Altmaier's legs might be a count for one or two of those. Mm -hmm. I think that you will shorten the game. I tell you what, the Minnesota-Nebraska game was cruising for the first quarter until it wasn't. I expect an efficient offensive performance and a really good start for Barry Lunny in year two. And defensively, yeah, we're worried about the secondary. I like the fact that the outside corners are facing smaller wide receivers, that none of them on Toledo's wide receiving core are 1,000-yard guys that are really no. proven commodities as a number one guy. I'd be more worried if there was a surefire wide receiver that had done that. Mm-hmm. So I think the trenches, 
that's where it all starts and ends. And then by the fourth quarter, you see a Toledo team wear down. And with a couple score lead, you are able to just sort of bleed the clock. Of course, I take a seven-point win. I take any win yeah. just to start 1-0. Isaac, uh, 24 hours from now, we will be at Memorial Stadium. Look at this sunset. There's not going to be a cloud in the sky tomorrow. Just We would have just kicked off a little bit ago. I am excited that the talking is done yes. and the playing is about to start. Yeah. Now it's time to watch what? Michigan State and Central Michigan? Is that the Correct. Big Ten game tonight? Yeah. Okay. We'll see how Mel Tucker does in year three. Probably not well. All right, before we get out of here, I got to thank our sponsors, DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-840-2481. That's 840-2180. Sorry, 2781. Sorry, Dogtown. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, and renters. You name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy at, you want to do the domain name, Isaac, for Brian Hansen? BrianIsMyGuy.com. There you go. Owen Builders, LLC, online at OwenBuildersLLC.com for everything from decks to patios to kitchens to bathrooms to home additions. Check out their gallery online at OwenBuildersLLC to get an idea of what they can do for your house. That's OwenBuildersLLC.com. Also, Campus Town Street Fest next Saturday, September 9th from 1 to 7 p.m. Music, food, vendors brought to you by the Champagne Center Partnership, City of Champagne, and JSM Living, and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network work for supporting the 200 level since we got started. Rate and review us online at Apple Podcasts if you have not already. YouTube, thank you all so much for joining us on a Friday night. I hope you're enjoying or imbibing. Uh, I don't know how well I'm going to sleep tonight, Isaac. I know it's going to be that when you get up and you smell that fresh like fall football the air. cool morning air. Yeah. I think just hearing the noise, feeling the vibes of Grange Grove and everything tomorrow, it's just, that's what it's all about. It's what the fall's all about. The worst is I'm probably going to wake up at about 4.30 with my allergies because they've been terrible lately. Uh, okay. And then I'm not going back to sleep. Yeah. Let's be honest. That's not going to happen. Night games are awesome, but then you have to wait all I day. I hate waiting. Yeah. I hate it. 2.30 is my bread and butter. But the older I get, I actually don't mind 11. So that Penn State game, wake up right yeah. early, get to it. Yeah. But tomorrow's a long day. Uh, stop by in Lot 31. We have the 200-level flag, which made its debut tonight yeah. on YouTube and in downtown Champaign. Look at that bad boy. And that will be flying in Lot 31, 50-yard line back by Oak Street, if you want to come say hi. All right. Hey, Poor Brothers, thank you so much for hosting us tonight. Listen to them. Yeah, great. We do appreciate it. We'll do more of these live things as for the season sure. goes along. I got nine wins. Isaac has seven. I'd be happy with Still either. Still great. Still great year. Yeah. I take the Music City Bowl. I will keep that refrain going. Yeah. All right, everybody. In the meantime, take care. See you tomorrow morning. Lot 31, Illinois Toledo, 6.30 kick on what? Big Ten Network? I think so. Yeah. Matt Millen on the call. But I'll be in the game, yes. so I don't really care. Yeah, about right, that. right, right. All right, everybody. See you soon. It see is ya. the 200 level.